You may be seated. Um, as many of you may know or maybe don't, a few months ago I had the opportunity uh, to travel with a small group to um, the border, the crisis at the border in Texas. And um, while we were there, um, we met with the Border Patrol and we met with um, refugee housing and um, just really got to see firsthand what's happening. And um, one of the things that was such a huge takeaway was that most of the people who are coming to our border are families. A lot of them are moms with little babies that they've carried across their backs all the way through Mexico. And they've run. They've run the whole way, only to come quite literally to a wall. And for many of them, they've had to wait in Mexico until their number's called. And then they can come and they can have um, different interviews and, and processes and things. And honestly, it was heartbreaking. Because you see these little babies and you see their moms, you see young families, and, and they're just scared. They're just in a holding pattern. They've come from a place of brokenness and no hope. And, and I know our media portrays many of them as dangerous, but these are people who are full of prayer. These are people who are, are constantly just crying out to Jesus, please, please, we have nothing. We, we need hope. And this seems to be the path you've brought us to, but quite literally, Lord, we've met a wall. And when I came back and I talked to Eric about it, and I've talked to some of you, and everybody says, what do we do? What, what can we do? And I thought about it, and, and, and I said, you know what? We have to start at the root. We have to start in Guatemala. We have to start in El Salvador. We have to start in Honduras. And God's sovereignty is an amazing thing. Because before I even went on that trip... We had already talked to Edgar and Sarah to come and to share. And as I've had just a little bit of time to spend with them this week, I've just realized the affirmation that what they are doing at Casa Bernabe in Guatemala is they're building hope. They're, they're breaking the cycle. They're working with people, as many as God will bring them, to, to give hope to give healing, to give restoration, so that their only mindset of rescue does not come from running across the desert to quite literally a wall, but it comes from within themselves. It comes from within the church. It comes from within the body of believers, not only in Guatemala, but in Holmes County, in Ohio, in Michigan. We, we need to partner together. And so it's with great honor uh, this morning that I introduce you to Edgar and Sarah. Uh, they are um, directors at Casa Bernabe in Guatemala City, Guatemala. Um, Josh was the first person in our family who had the privilege to meet them um, almost 10 years ago. And I had heard so much about Edgar and Sarah, and I felt like I knew them without even going because um, they just have such great, lively personalities. But I'll say the first time I actually got to see Edgar was on a Sunday morning, and um, he came in, and I didn't, I didn't know him. I wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a crowd. But we're sitting in um, church service at the orphanage, and the kids have started to file in, 
and I see this man, and he walks up, and he just gets down on the level of these kids. And he'll maybe touch their shoulder, ruffle their hair, talks to him a little bit, moves on to the next one. And I thought, boy, I don't know who that man is, but he is showing them their heavenly father. And then I was introduced to Edgar Salguero. And so this morning, um, it is our privilege, our delight uh, for Edgar to share with us this morning and to, I think, give us another glimpse of our heavenly father. So if you would welcome them, please. Good morning. We're so excited to be with you guys this morning. We had a privilege of coming two years ago uh, to share with the church and in fellowship with you guys. And it's been um, an even better trip this time, I think. We've had even more fun. You guys live in a beautiful place. We've met so many amazing people. And we're just so grateful for the partnership that we have with Mercy Hill. Mercy Hill is a really important place. You guys are really important people to us. We're grateful for those of you that have had the opportunity to come down to Guatemala and serve, and those that haven't but have given so that the other members of your church could come and serve, or you guys have given directly to Cusman Bay, or you've prayed for us. We're so, so thankful for each and every one of you. And we decided after 2020, uh, Guatemala closed the borders, nobody in, nobody out. They're just now starting to open. So we decided, well, since nobody's coming to us, let's just go to them. So we're just excited to be with you guys this morning and um, fellowship and worship and, and, and just get to know you guys and your community a little better. So thank you for having us this morning. Thanks, my lady. Guru Maya. Guys don't know what, is, what does that mean, I guess. All right. Buenos dias. Neither. All right, good morning. English. Let's go from Dutch to Spanish to English. Good morning to this beautiful church, people, and it's a big privilege for us to be here again after two years to, to spend some time with you guys and, and be blessed by you guys. Uh, but the Lord has given us some words to, to us down in Guatemala that we we also been sharing to other people, but we're also trying to apply it to ourselves on a daily basis as a family. So I hope in Jesus Christ that this word sticks in your heart, and more than that, we can put it into practice. Um, today I've heard many times, and there'll probably be a lot more times, these two words, three words, Happy Father's Day. Is that right? Happy Father's Day. Well, I also often heard, heard these other phrases like Happy Father's Day, Happy Eastern, Happy uh, Birthday, Happy Christmas, or Happy Holidays, Happy... Um, I don't know how many other holidays you have up here, but Happy, 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 Happy. That's what the world's, world offers you. Happiness. That's what the world offers me happiness. So <clears throat> um, today, all the fathers are happy. Is that right? Fathers are happy, excited about going after the service to Mrs. Joder's to have a big celebration 
or, or, or a Rebecca's Bistro to have a big celebration or tonight at dinner because today is Father's Day. It's happy Father's Day. It's supposed to be a happy day today. But tomorrow, tomorrow, we'll go back to normal. And the happiness that we feel today will be gone tomorrow. After your birthday, next day, go back to normal. Happiness, gone. After Christmas, January, we go back to normal. Gone. Happiness, gone. That's what the world offers to me and to you. Happiness. Happiness that endures only a short time. A very, very short time. Just one day, a couple hours, and that's it. Next day, back to normal. Tomorrow, all of us, the fathers, will be back to normal. No more celebration. Over. Done. And why is that? Why happiness, endurance, just such a short time? Because happiness depends on circumstances. Circumstances. That's why happiness, endurance, or, or lasts a very short time. But that's what the world offers us. That kind of happiness that is going to last a very short time in our lives. And that's, how, that's what we teach our children as well, to be happy. To depend on their circumstances to become happy. And that's not what the Lord offers us. He, uh, he does not offer us happiness, to be happy. He offers us His joy that endures forever, all the way to eternity. That's what He offers us, joy and contentment. Joy in His salvation for the eternity and contentment while we are here, while we get there. Not happiness. His, his word, he does not offer us happiness. Because joy, his joy, his joy for his salvation and contentment does not depend on circumstances. It doesn't. But that's what he offers us. His joy that endures forever and contentment during the time that we're here on earth while we get there. And this is what I want to share about to you guys this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I was saying that contentment or, or his joy does not, don't depend on circumstances. And sometimes we do depend, or most times we do depend on circumstances. And <clears throat> well, I'm gonna, my emphasis will be more about contentment. So can we please go to Philippians 4? Philippians please. Um, I have it here in English. Unless you want me to read in Spanish. No? Or Dutch. I have it here in, in English. Philippians 4, 10. We'll read from 10 to 13. So, while the world offers us happiness, our Father... Our loving Father offers us joy and contentment. So, <clears throat> let me go through this. All right. 
I'll try to read in English. I rejoiced in the, this is Paul in jail speaking to the church in Philippians, to, to the Philippians. And now he speaks that to us. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at, at, length, at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking for being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation or circumstances, maybe in your translation, I am to be content. So this is something that Paul learned. He did not come with contentment. He had to learn to become content. And how did he learn that? This is the way he learned that. I normally explain these kind of things with something physically because normally our audience are with people, or adults, but a bunch of kids. So for them to always keep something with them, I always try to uh, represent his scripture with something that they can see. So, Mr. Josh, could you please come up here again? Two years ago, I asked him to come up here, and I'm going to need Mr. Josh again. He did a good job two years ago. And Tigrito, Santiago, please. He's been desperate to come up here. <laughs> He's my little son, our little boy, our youngest son, Santiago. Wow. Ah, tienes razón. So, um, <clears throat> verse 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. So, in this case, Santiago will be low, and Mr. Josh, of course, will be abound. Is that right? Because of his size. So, <clears throat> I was trying, I was investigating what does that mean, like low in English, like in this translation, low. And it means humbled or despreciado, despreciado, dishonored, desestimado, dis disestimate, uh, making him feel bad, really bad, like as low as possible. Paul, Paul experienced that. To be filled as slow as possible. And abound, exalted. Paul experienced to be exalted, honored, uh, recognized. Paul was recognized. He, he experienced this extreme, and he also experienced this extreme, being very low. Uh, in any and every. Any is any type of circumstances. In every, each one of them. He, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. So he learned the secret. So there is a secret in that experience, in that process. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I'm talking about hunger. 
at the border. Plenty. Paul, he's talking now about food. He experienced having plenty on his table. Plenty. He, Paul experienced that. Those banquets, banquets, banquets. Like we would go to Mrs. Joder's or, or Rebecca's Bistro. Like Paul experienced that many times. He experienced this, but he also, Paul also experienced hunger. He also experienced hungry, hunger, where we, he had nothing to eat. Paul experienced that, those moments for a long time when he was in jail, when he was in, cast away, cast away for days with nothing to eat. But yet, he learned the secret, the secret about his joy of his salvation. When he was enjoying food, but also when he had nothing to eat, he found the secret. When he had a lot to eat, he knew what to do with that. He knew how to act when he had a lot to eat. He would go out to the borders and share to the need, to the most needed people. He'll make sure that he'll only eat enough and the rest share it to the poor. He learned the secret. And when he had nothing to eat, he never complained to God. Because he understood that there was a purpose and that his salvation, the joy in his salvation was enough. You guys know that 40% of our food, the food worldwide, goes to waste. Did you know that, Josh? I did not. 40% of what we eat of the food goes to waste. Almost half of it. And with that, 40%, we could feed the rest of the world and yet still have extra, have leftovers. Could you imagine that? Every time you waste food, think about that. That'll probably make us stop wasting our food. <laughs> at least that. At least food. Paul learned the secret. Paul learned the secret. When he had a lot, when he had nothing to eat. <clears throat> Do you guys know that there are more children and more people around the world that die every day more than hunger more than COVID. Did you know that? More people die every day because of hunger, more than because of COVID. But why is it that the virus of COVID is so important right now? And the governments all over the world are investing a lot of money and almost obligating you to get the shot and do this and that and that. Why? And there's other issues going on that are killing more people. Because hunger only reach the low people, the lowest, the least, the least important ones, the most needed ones. So nobody cares. The governments don't care. Oh, but COVID is hitting everyone. The poor, the rich. The dark, the black ones, the dark ones, the Latinos, or the white ones. 
The small ones, the short ones, the big ones. Everyone. That's why they're doing something about it. But hunger, not everyone is suffering about that virus. And that virus has a solution, has a, has a vaccine. The virus of hunger has a vaccine. And we waste it. It's food. It's called food. The solution is food. We have the solution for hunger. They're trying to find the solution for COVID. They're trying to make people think that they have it like through the vaccine. But we already have the solution for hunger and it's food and we're wasting it. Paul learned the secret when he had a lot and we had when he had nothing. And third, the verse, uh, verse uh, 12, still 12. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Abundance and need. Paul, Paul was a wealthy man. He experienced wealth. He experienced this and this. He experienced wealth. And he was well-known, respected man, honored man. He was wealthy. He had everything anybody could have. Big businesses. But then all of a sudden, he lost everything. He lost it all. For the gospel. He considered all that that he had one day considered trash. Well, in my version it says poop, but I don't know what, in yours. But, but trash. Paul considered everything trash because of the gospel, the truth gospel. Because he learned how to be content in abundance, but also in need. But when we think about need, we often think about poor, poverty. In my country, about 60% of our people live in a poverty uh, situation, poverty. But half of them live in extreme poverty. I don't know if you guys know what's the difference between poverty and extreme poverty. Big difference. And this is the difference. That it might not be a big difference to us, but to them, it is a big difference. Poverty, it is the families that live or survive with $1 a day. $1 a day. And they survive. That's poverty. Could you survive one day with $1? or two, three, maybe a week. I don't know. Many families around the world, thousands of families, survive with $1 a day per family. That's poverty. But this is extreme poverty. The families that don't even have that $1. They have nothing. Nothing to eat, nothing to buy, nothing. They're today, they're wondering what's going to happen today. And they might, might die today. And they, people are dying today of hunger because they have nothing, literally nothing. That's extreme poverty. Paul experienced abundance 
and experienced extreme poverty when he had nothing to eat, nothing, nobody to even speak to. When he was cast away, he, was, he had nobody with him. He was alone by himself. How many times we... <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Josh. Thank you, Santiago. You can go now. <laughs> Paul learned the secret to be content while he was here on earth before he get and enjoy for the rest of the eternity the joy of his salvation. He learned the secret to be content when he had too much, but also when he had nothing. We often complain in our country about our freedom because of COVID. We couldn't go to places. We couldn't go to a movie theater. We couldn't go to church. We couldn't go here and that. We complain that uh, our liberty, liberty, freedom, our children at Casa Bernabé, the orphanage, they were locked down before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and they'll be locked down after the pandemic is over. And we complain because we were locked down for three weeks or a couple of months or a year in our beautiful home. Paul was locked down in jail. And we complain being locked down in our beautiful home with our beautiful family. We complain because we don't, we, we're fed up with our family too long, all day long, all week long, all month long with our family. Too much. And our children wish to see their families during this time. We complain for, for wearing a mask for a week, a month, a year. The children in the world, these children in the orphanage, they have lost their voice for good till they turn 18. And we complain for wearing a mask. Paul learned the secret to be content. He learned the secret. He found the secret. The joy in his salvation. <clears throat> this is what we're experiencing now. It's just a small uh, taste of what's going to come in the future in the end times. This is just a small taste. This is what I tell our, our kids down in Guatemala and our people. This is just a small taste of what's going to come in the future. God is just preparing us. He's trying to call our attention to, to, to go back to the basics, to have our family, keep our, our families united, strong in the Lord. We, were, we lost that. We have lost that because we were, we were too busy going to sports, going to the movie theater, going to, to school, going to the parks, going to visit my friends, my neighbors, my church, and we we're way too busy separating the families. And God is forcing us to unite back our families back together in Him again. He's teaching us new lessons. He's teaching us. He wants to call our attention during this time to get ready for what's going to come in the future, in the near future. 
that, sh- that, that we, it should get us excited. It should get us excited. But I've seen churches worry, anxious during this time. And we should be, we're supposed to be excited. We're supposed to bring the light and the salt to, to the world, but instead we also get worried and anxious like the rest of the people around the world. Where is his church? Where am I in these moments, in these tough moments that we're facing? Paul learned the secret. I am learning the secret to be content while I'm here in the earth, in this world. I often heard this question from you guys and from the people that come down there. What's your biggest challenge in Guatemala, in Casa Bernabe, and the orphanage? What's your biggest challenge? What is your biggest challenge? I would ask you the same question. What is your biggest challenge? Make yourself that question, please, and try to answer that question. What is your biggest challenge as a single church or as a family? What is your biggest challenge? I often receive that question, ask that question. People ask me that question all the time. What is your biggest challenge in Casa Bernabe? That's a great question. And I would ask you the same question this morning. What is your biggest challenge? This is our biggest challenge down in Casa Bernabe. Do you want to hear that? No? You want to hear what, what our biggest challenge is? We have children in Casa Bernabe that often ask themselves, why should I believe in a God and a Father that's supposed to love me and yet I'm stuck here in this orphanage? Why would I believe in what you're telling me about God, about Jesus Christ, If he was that good, if he was a loving father, like you tell me, he would not allow this to happen to me. That's the biggest challenge that we face every day. Because we hear this often. Why should I believe and trust God, a loving father, if he's done this to me? Why? That's a tough question when they ask us that question. Because if he experienced what they have experienced, you could think that they have the right to think that way. Because they're, they're experiencing the worst thing, like Paul did. At that age, why should I believe in God? Why should I believe in Jesus Christ that saved me and, and gave me all these things when I'm here, stuck? When I lost my family, I lost everything. I have nothing to lose anymore. I have nothing to lose. And when a kid has have nothing to lose, they're, they're willing to do anything. That's why they're going to the border by themselves. Because they have nothing to lose. They have lost everything. So to them, to have courage to walk by themselves from another country to the U.S. to find another opportunity... It's easy to make that decision. 
Because what else can they lose if they already lost everything? <clears throat> but that's our biggest challenge down there in Guatemala. How do we convince these children that God exists and that He's a loving Father? How do we convince them? If it's hard to convince people like in church, it's hard for us to understand that. Imagine these children, these people all over the world that are experiencing three wars. But Paul found the secret because he experienced both worlds. He experienced both extremes. And he found the secret. These children are on this extreme right now where Santiago was. Low, humbled, like humiliated. Nobody gives nothing for them. They're nobody right now. They'll, at least they feel that way. They have nothing. Therefore, they have nothing to lose. What do we have to lose? What do you have to lose? That's a good question. What do I have to lose? What do we have to lose? These children have nothing to lose. Nothing. That's why when they start believing in God, they understand that they have so much to win because they have nothing to lose. When they come to this understanding and accept Jesus Christ in their heart, they do it for good. There's no going back. When they follow Jesus, they do it with all of their heart, with all of their strength, their soul, and resources because they, at some point they had nothing to lose. So much to win. What do we have to lose? And if we lost that, that we have to lose, that we have to lose, what would be our position? What would be our heart? Will we be able to say what Paul said? I've learned the secret to be content. When he had, he was in abundance. Or nothing. When he was somebody or when he was nobody. That's our biggest challenge down in Guatemala. Is that right, Andy? <laughs> and Hazel and Angela and, the one, and Rebecca, the ones that have come down there. And Jan and Josh and the rest of you. You can see that they're happy. They're happy. But happiness lasts a short time. Because that's the, what the world, the world offers us, happiness. Tomorrow, all the fathers will be back to normal. But the joy and my salvation endures forever. I had a terrible experience last week. Terrible slash great experience. Last week, we, a family took us to an expensive restaurant. Very expensive restaurant. I don't know the name of it. 
Shays, Shas, something like that, in, in Burlington, Burlington? No, no. Vermilion. Beautiful place, beautiful restaurant. $60 a plate. The cheapest one, 55 or something. I'm like, God, we can feed 60 people with this meal. $1 a day. $60 that meal. We can feed 60 families with this meal. God, I just couldn't understand that. It was expensive. I was not paying for it, but I was like, it's too much. And I was like, <clears throat> but God, remind me something. Remind me this word. Edgar, I'm giving you this $60 deal, uh, uh, meal. Enjoy it. You have to learn to have abundance or nothing to eat. And when I give you abundance, enjoy it. You will not even pay for it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this meal. So I ordered my, that meal. It was not even that good. <laughs> I'm like, $60, it was not even, my lady, I told my lady when we got home, my lady was not even worth $60. It was probably worth $5. I enjoyed Rebecca's Bistro much better. I would have paid $59 for Rebecca's meal. <laughs> but not for this one. But I also remember those three days where we had nothing to eat at the orphanage when I was a kid. Three years with nothing to eat at the orphanage when I was a kid. And that evening, I remember those three years of nothing to eat. Paul learned the secret. As I share with you, I want to share with you guys two testimonies of what, how, how do we do this? this? How do we face this biggest challenge in Guatemala? <clears throat> There was one young girl, like many, many others, that always come to us after they turn 18 and they have to move out to an independent life. They always wonder, where do I come from? Where is my family? <clears throat> where do I come from? I need to know. So this young girl, being on the transition program, had a... Uh, asked my lady and me to sit down with her one night. And she told us, Edgar, Sarah, I don't believe in that father that you tell me to believe. I don't believe that God exists. Because he would not do what he did to me. And then he, she says, <clears throat> and, and I was like, how do we convince this girl? And I told her, I don't want to say her name, but I told her, what, what would you ask God that he can do for you? And if he does it, you believe? What is it? And she said, if he makes, if he founds my family, I'll believe in him. 
Remember that night, my lady? If, if God finds my family, <clears throat> I'll start believing in him. I'll start believing in him. All right. I can do nothing for you. I cannot tell or convince you with my words. Nothing. I told her, if he does exist, he will do it for you. Because I cannot do that. There's no words that I can tell you to convince you that the God exists and it's a good father and it's a loving father. Cannot do that. But if he does exist, he will do it for you. That night, I went to bed. I told my lady, and I told God, you better exist, and you better do something. Otherwise, I'll be in big trouble. Next day, that was on a Sunday, never forget. Sunday, next Monday, I called the social worker at Casa Bernabe. So, Lily, get these girls' file out. And she did. What does it say about her family? She said, nothing. Nothing. She came when she was like six, five. She was already 20. She said, nothing. Her file doesn't say anything. Except for one thing, she said. That she comes from a town. And she says the name of the town. And that there is a soccer field. There's soccer fields all over the country. There's a soccer field in the name of the town. That's it. I'm like, Lily, this week, take your team and let's go find that family. <clears throat> she said, Edgar, but there's only a soccer field in the name of the town, of the city. Yes, let's start in that soccer field. Let's go to that soccer field. Well, you know, our villages are not as pretty as yours here. All these creeks, Sugar Creek, Walnut Creek, Apple Creek. Santi, two years ago, when a bunch, she, we were reading the, in the signs, a bunch of creeks, he was like, is there a pizza creek? I'm like, no, Santi, I don't think there's a pizza creek in this city. But in Guatemala, in those towns, red zones, those towns, there are nothing like this down there. Well, at least not those towns. But they went in faith. The social workers, psychologists, and the nutritionists, and the, the, the pastor went in faith. Got to the soccer field. And I told Lily, when you get there, start knocking on the doors. That's our job. God says in his words that we knock, he opens the door. Our job is just to knock the doors. He'll do the rest. So Lily, just start knocking the doors and start asking. Start asking for this last name or this family. And she, they started asking and asking and asking. Do you know this family? Do you, have you heard about this girl? Have you heard about this last name's family? No, 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 no. And there was a home where they said, yes, we've heard about this family. We think, I believe, we think where, where they live. Let's go. And they took him, took her to, the fam to that girl's family. find her family. And when they call me, <clears throat> Edgar, we found her family. I'm like, 
thank you, God. Not only you exist, but you did it again. So, right away, we call her. We found your family. In a week, next Sunday, we had a meeting with her family and herself to meet her family. Isn't that great? She started believing that there is a God. And we have family. How many of you have family? I have family. And she was asking God to find her family, to start believing in Him and trusting Him and a loving Father. And we have family. As, I, as the worship team come and I think they have to close with the singing. Oh. <laughs> I also struggle with the same issue that this girl did. <laughs> same thing. Like everybody else at the orphanage. Wondering, where's my family? The lack of identity the lack of identity. But this girl find out that her family, her biological family, was not what she needed the most. She needed to find them. She needed to know where she came from. She now supports her family. After two years, she now supports her family. They were a very poor family. Still are. But she found out that that, was, that is not the most important thing. Her biological family was not the most important thing. It was her father. But when we were kids, when I was a kid, I had the same issue. Where's my family? As some of you guys might know, I, I grew up at Casa Bernabé, the same orphanage, that now we get to serve with my family. When I was five, I got there from another orphanage to this one, Casa Barnabé. Grew up there and always wondering, where do I come from? My dad, he died when I was 11 days old, my dad. My mom got will when I, when I was 11 days old. Never had that experience of having a father, a biological father, like most of you guys might have. And my celebrate later. I was like, God, why did you let me have a father? Live with my father, with my mom. Why? You can, you can do that. It was fine. But after years, I've learned the secret. During this whole process, being at Casa Bernabé as a kid, and now being there on the other side, serving them, I've learned the secret. That, that's not, that was not the most important thing in life. That my salvation it should be enough. And I should rejoice in my salvation. And my family's salvation. And my future generations. All the way to eternity. And I get to do that now for other children and other families to become and join us as a big family in God, in Jesus Christ. And I've learned the secret. 
And now we're very content. I'm very content with my family. Blessed. I just finished encourage you guys to <clears throat> find the secret and be content while you're here in the world and be and, and enjoy have the joy of your salvation and share that to others. God bless you.